Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Art of Awesome show number 58. I think everything it takes to become a professional athlete, all those same rules apply to creating a business. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about. Wait! Okay now, from the beginning. Hit it, boys. Welcome to the Art of Awesome. My name is Nick Troutman, and I'm a professional athlete, entrepreneur, family man, and adventure seeker. My goal is to share with you stories, knowledge, and inspiration as we continue on the journey together, searching for that secret sauce to producing awesome results in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time with me today, and let's get to it. Welcome back, everyone, to The Art of Awesome. I am your host, Nick Troutman, and this is the show where we look for that secret sauce to success and the difference between the average and the awesome. Today is Monday, so that means we have another incredible interview with a fantastic guest. And if you guys are familiar with the show, you know that every Monday we do these deep dive interviews, and Fridays we've got our more bite-sized, shorter pieces of content. And if you haven't subscribed to the show, please go ahead and do so so that you guys stay up to date and in tune with the latest episodes. But let's go ahead and jump right into it as today's guest was just an amazing individual and we had a phenomenal conversation. Today I got to talk with Mikey Taylor. Mikey Taylor is actually a professional skateboarder. He's competed in the X Games. Um, He's been an entrepreneur for most of his life actually which he talks about and very very interesting he actually he started a beer company while he was still a professional skateboarder he also started his own skate company called sovereign uh, skate company and now since ending his professional skateboarding career he has started his own investing fund commune capital which invests in real estate and more importantly uh, multifamily real estate and so Mikey Taylor is a very, uh, I don't know, impressive individual is maybe the right way to explain it. He's got a really cool, interesting story. We dive deep into kind of how he got into all of these investments, where he learned his financial literacy. We talk a lot about financial literacy and that it isn't just about a monetary value. It's about what you do with your money and how to get your money to work for you. So we dive deep into that and I think you guys will get a lot of value and knowledge about financial literacy as a whole. We also, for the first time ever um, on The Art of Awesome, we actually kind of talk a little bit about religion as Mikey explains um, kind of when he was lost after his skateboarding career ended and kind of how he found himself a little bit and and he turned to God essentially to, to do that. So... So we haven't really talked much about that before on the show, but it's pretty interesting on especially Mikey's point of view on the whole thing. And anyway, I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode. This is one of the most value-packed episodes that we have ever made for The Art of Awesome. So definitely stay tuned. I think you guys are going to get more than your money's worth being that the episode's free. So anyway, let's go ahead and jump right into it here with Mikey Taylor. So first off, Mikey Taylor, thank you so very much for joining us here on The Art of Awesome and just stoked to have you. Dude, stoked to be here. Thanks, brother. Cool. So you are a professional skateboarder. You've competed in the X Games. You've got like a 20-year history with that. You've also, you know, very active entrepreneur, co-founder of uh, St. Archer Beer Company. You you helped start uh, Villager Coconut Water Drink Company, Sovereign Skate Company, and now you've turned to real estate investing and you've started your own fund with Commune Capital. So first off, I mean, this is just an incredible story, but, and I've got like a lot of questions I could dive into, but I'd love to hear just kind of how this all started from your words, like your point of view, like how did you get into all of this stuff? Like, how did I get in from, you know, going from skateboarder into wanting to start companies and then yeah, like that list of companies? Yeah. We're, like, were you always so entrepreneurial or like, I just, uh, yeah, I don't know. Okay. So uh, the answer is yes. I just didn't know that I was. And truthfully, I didn't even know what an entrepreneur was until after I had started my first company. And basically like, you know, going back to the beginning when I got sponsored as a pro skateboarder, uh, I think there were a lot of signs that like I was drawn toward, towards entrepreneurship. I just didn't see it. And this would be the example I'd give. 
when I was 16, my parents pushed me to get a job. It was like, hey, you're old enough now. You need to go to work. And I didn't want to work yet. Right. So my way to not work was to try to basically convince companies to give me free product. And then with that free product, I would have everything I would need to use. And then the money that I needed to survive, I would sell product to, you know, kids who needed, you know, skate stuff at discount. And so that was like my first like, okay, this is what I need. How do I figure it out? I'll go do it. And I think that was like an early sign. And then as I kind of moved into the uh, skateboard industry, I was always really fascinated with how the business side of it worked. Like I loved, you know, and I experienced it when I got my first shoe. I loved how like you had to figure out an idea of what you wanted your shoe to be designed like. You had to go through the whole process of creating the shoe. Then you had to figure out how to sell that shoe and make this shoe different than that shoe. I loved that whole cycle. So uh, that's when I kind of realized that I think I was built to be an entrepreneur. Um, but yeah, I saw early signs of it when I was young. That's awesome. Do, do you think that, you know, cause I've got a, a similar kind of concept and, and idea behind it as well as like being an athlete myself. And I see this with other athletes where, you know, it's almost that drive to avoid the nine to five where you're like, I'm going to figure out a way to get paid to do what I love to do. Do you think that entrepreneurial or entrepreneurialism or however you want to say that is, you know, something that more professional athletes have, or is that just, you know, there's just a few of us kind of mixed in there that are more interested in like figuring out how to make it work financially? That's such a good question. Um, I actually think most people are built to be entrepreneurs, whether they realize it or not, or whether they become one. I think most of us have, you know, the traits inside of us of trying to solve problems, trying to, you know, highlight certain things that make it better than others. I I think there's a component of that, but with athletes specifically, um, I think everything it takes to become a professional athlete, all those same rules apply to creating a business. And so I'm a big believer in, yes, if you put in the work and learn the resilience and discipline and really the obsession factor of mastering something, if you can apply all of those into creating a company, you're going to succeed at it. Um, So I I think, yes, but now the, the challenge becomes, there's, it all comes down to our wants, right? What do we want? Like you just kind of touched on something like, how do we make our passion a career? How do you avoid the nine to five? Well, for a lot of people, their want is security. They don't want to worry about having to create a business to make money. They don't want all the pressure of managing people. They just want to go to work, get their paycheck and not, not worry about that. So I think it really comes down to uh, what you're trying to achieve at the end of the day. Right. But for an athlete who wants to be an entrepreneur, yeah, I, I, I think I think you have a, a leg up on some people only because you've already gone through a lot of the, you know, challenges that it takes to become a professional. Uh, that other people have to find that type of struggle once they create their first business. Yeah, there's there's a word in there that you that you touched on that I definitely relate with, and I, and I think is something that applies both to you know, professional athletes, as well as, as any sort of, you know, entrepreneurial or, or business person. And that is obsession. When you have that obsession for anything, I feel like you're, you're almost guaranteed success because the obsession will continue to drive you until you reach success. And, and that's at least how I felt with, with kayaking. I remember like as a kid being like, Oh, I want to be a world champion kayaker. And it was like, I had been told by a lot of people like, no, don't do this. Go to college. Like stop chasing that dream. Like go do this, the other thing. And I just kept thinking like, no, like (laughs) that's, that's like all I'm thinking about all I'm dreaming about. Like, that's it. Like there is no like plan B in that regard. Yeah, that's totally right. I think, I think it's two, two things, right? You have to have obsession because, uh, you need to apply more action than those around you, right? Obsession, uh, is how you do that. Two, it's it's the resilience component as well. Because with athletes, typically you learn in the beginning that as long as you don't stop, you will succeed. It just the factor becomes time, right? Right. So you apply those those two things, obsession and resilience, 
then you will succeed uh, without a doubt. Failure is not the option because we're taught never to stop. Right. You know, no, so I, I agree I, with you. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and, and I've said it many times before, but, but you're exactly right that essentially you cannot fail as long as you don't give up. Right. And, and, That's right. um, Anyways, as long so for anybody out there, whether you want to be an athlete, you want to be an entrepreneur, you want to be a business person, I mean, as long as you just never give up, you are guaranteed success. That's right. So, so another thing that I was curious about, you've been a skateboarder, pro skateboarder for for you know more than twenty decades. So twenty or uh, two decades, twenty years. That's obviously a big part of who you are. How did you deal with or or are you currently dealing with like an identity shift between professional skateboarder, entrepreneur, real estate investor and and I guess what identity do you currently relate most to? Mm, that's such a good question. And I think every athlete, specifically pro athletes uh are challenged by this, right? Yeah, like I I was a pro skateboarder for almost 20 years. And I skated before I've been skating 26 years of my life, right? Like that's the majority of my life spent on a skateboard. So right. uh, yes, that was my identity. Uh, when my career ended, that that was the biggest challenge that I faced of, you know, if, if you can't, if you don't know your identity and you don't know your purpose, who are you and why are you here? You cannot live on this earth the way you were created to live, right? Like use like a, a cup, for example. A cup's purpose is to hold, let's say, water, right? Without knowing what its purpose is, you can't judge if the cup is doing the, the purpose it was created for or not, right? If the cup holds water, it's living its purpose. If the cup doesn't hold water, it's not. But without knowing what it is that you're supposed to do, you can't gauge if you're doing well or not. So for me, it was like my career ends. I don't know who I am anymore. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I was I was completely lost. That, that was by far the biggest challenge for me. I, I, I knew I had skills from being a pro skateboarder. We had already started, I had already started four or five companies as a pro skateboarder. I knew I had a talent that would, you know, resonate or I could rely on after skateboarding to succeed. Right. None of that mattered because I didn't even know where to apply my skills. I was stuck at basically the first floor again. And so, yes, I had to find out what my identity was. And basically what happened to me is I realized that I put my identity and my purpose in something that could be taken from me. I, I, was, I was a skater. I was a pro skateboarder. This is why I'm here. Once I'm no longer a pro skateboarder, well, what is the point, right? And in that, like trying to find out like what, who am I really? Why am I here on this planet? I know I've been put on this planet for a bigger reason than just skateboarding, right? I have my whole life to live. So there has to be a purpose that's meant from start to finish. And, and I didn't want to feel that experience or, or that feeling again, where I thought I was something and then that was gone. Like I, I didn't want to feel lost again. And so for me in that journey, it actually brought me uh, really closer in my faith. Because when I had to answer the question, who am I here? Who am I and why am I here? I looked at basically God. God, why did you create me? Why did you give me this talent? Why, why did you give me these, these skills? Who am I supposed to be? And so I started putting all of my faith in him instead of the thing I was doing. And then once I went into the next career, which was now you know starting my newest company, my identity is not in my company. My identity is not entrepreneur. My identity is not real estate investor. These are just the things I'm doing to essentially, you know, glorify God and the skills he gave me. So I live every, every day of my life, whether it's my relationship with my wife, my kids, my friends, my business, this interview, I want to lead by example in everything that I do. And, and that was kind of my transformation was like, uh, <laughs> I, I can't do this on my own. And I, I need to figure out a way to succeed in my life for the rest of my life, not just a moment in my life. And, and that's where I landed. Wow. That's, that's very interesting and amazing. And, and I love how you were lost. You, you turned to faith, turned to God and, and essentially looking for the answers, which I think probably a lot of people out there have done. A lot of people have probably been lost at some point and, and been like, yeah. God, what am I here for type thing? Yeah. And, but I love how too that the answer wasn't, oh my, I'm here to be a real estate investor. 
Like that, that's not it. You're, you're like, no, I don't want to become something else that can be taken away from me. Um, and so I guess, would you, would you clarify that? Like what you're currently identified as, is that just like, um, someone to, to like help other people or like, what are, what is that identity now in a sense that can't be taken from you? Oh, my identity, which I would define as who am I? Uh, I am, I would say first God's child, second husband, third father, fourth friend would be my priority list, right? Uh, first can never be taken from me. Uh, in reality, the rest of them can change, right? Uh, and then you know, going to my purpose, I would define my purpose. Why am I here? I'm here to glorify God and use all the talents that he gave me to live the life that he envisioned for me to live. It is where I landed on identity purpose. And then I guess you could take it a step further and go, what's your destiny, right? Who am I? Why am I here? Where do I go after this? And so those are the three questions that I felt I had to answer and without an answer to those questions, I couldn't live a successful life. Wow. That's amazing. We, we've gone deep right off the bat. Uh, uh, Mike. That's right. That's right. <laughs> this, is, this is super cool. Um, well, okay. So something else that I wanted to tap into is on your social media, you talk a lot about finance, financial literacy. Uh, it's, it's definitely something that I see as a, as a big thing that, that you explain a lot of, a lot of interviews, a lot of, uh, I don't know, just videos and and explanations behind the whole thing. Would you agree that there is a, a lack of financial literacy within our education and school systems? And what do you think is the best way, if you do agree with that, that we could go about trying to fix that maybe? Um, I, I guess the, the first answer would be yes. I think there's a massive problem uh, in our education system. I think the majority of us are not financially literate. And I think if we were, I wouldn't be able to do the things I'm doing. Right. The, the, the stuff that I'm posting, nobody would respond to if everybody was a master at it, right? And so uh, I think for me, it was eye-opening to see how many people were financially literate. And what's fascinating is that doesn't mean you don't make money. And that doesn't mean you don't make a lot of money. That, that was the when I stopped skateboarding, when I started this new company, I kind of just assumed like, dude, you're making half a million bucks a year. You're making 3 million bucks a year. You know about money. Not the case. I've met so many people that make over a million dollars a year that have no clue how money works. Not at all. They make money and spend money. Same challenge that you'd have with somebody who maybe makes $50,000 a year. That was the fascinating part for me. So how do you change it? I, I think there's two options. It's either the education system has some type of reform or uh, changes the way in which they teach or the principles that they're teaching or the alternative outlet just becomes bigger. There's more and more people that are creating valuable content to teach through some type of online learning. Wow. And when you're talking about these people that you know that maybe make, you know, over a million dollars a year, which a lot of people would think like they are extremely successful financially, but they're still maybe as you would state financially illiterate are we talking in the sense that they don't know how to reinvest that money how to, how to grow that wealth or create wealth instead of riches like is that kind of what you're talking about there it's a handful of things the 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 first thing i would say and this is on like the kind of the the beginning challenge for everyone is spending less than you make right everybody knows that spend less than you make and we assume that as we make more money, that makes it easier for us to save, right? Human behavior says that's not true. What we end up doing is making more money and spending more money. So right. now you have people that, let's say, make $50,000 a year that don't have any savings. And now you have people that make $750,000 a year that have no savings, right? So the, the amount you make doesn't matter. The first challenge is, is hard for everybody. So- there's more and more people that I meet that make a ton of money that have zero retirement, zero dollars invested. They're not, they're not taking advantage of the amount of money they're making to put themselves in a better position. That would be first, right? So hmm. money management is off. 
Then you start moving into the realm that you kind of refer to. How do you get money to work? How do you put money in motion? They don't understand that one either. And so the challenge you have is there's two ways to succeed financially. You educate yourself and then apply action on what you know, or you hire the education, right? One or the other. Most people don't do either. So uh, that's what I mean by most people are financially illiterate. Uh, They're at the same stage, regardless if they make money or not. That's super cool. And I I guess that's in part probably why you've got, I mean, a huge social following. I mean, maybe that's also because you've been a pro skateboarder for for 20 years. But um, I think it's just amazing how you really break it down and simplify it on your social channels and and really um, explain a lot of the, the financial literacy that I think everybody should know and everybody should learn but like we're saying isn't necessarily taught in our edu- in our current education system anyway. That's right. And, That's exactly right. Am I am I correct? Did you go to, to to college or not? No, I graduated high school straight into pro skateboarding. So, wow, it's where did you learn your financial literacy, I guess? Uh, I had a mentor. I, 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 he was more than a mentor, but basically when I told my parents that I was going to be a pro skateboarder uh, and not go to college, they panicked and were incredibly fearful of that. Uh, and my dad was like, hey, if you're going to do this, I want you to get help. Somebody has to help you financially. I was like, okay, cool. And he basically introduced me to the person that was helping him with his money. And, and he was a financial advisor. He ran a, a, an office that managed multiple families' money, Right. Most financial advisors just manage your money. They'll manage your stocks and bonds. They might rebalance your portfolio. That's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Thankfully for me, I met somebody who uh, one of his principles was to empower and educate his clients. So from 18, he was teaching me all of the you know, fundamentals or the foundation of finance and how to succeed at it. And I think for me, because I didn't go to college, uh, I was very fearful of what my life was going to look like after skateboarding. And I think that fear made me pay attention to the things he was telling me and holding on to them like they were truth. I mean, even in the beginning, like he would tell me things, for example, you know, he'd start with uh, spend less than you make, right? Then he moved into, you need to live off the smallest percentage possible so that you have money to invest, right? Then he taught me about right. pay yourself first, all these principles. And I was just like, okay, I'll do it. I'll I'll do it out of desperation. I'll do anything. Right. So I spent the first 10 years of my career living like I was broke. And then I hit challenges. Like I'm looking around, seeing all my friends buy like Mercedes and BMWs. Right. right? So now the ego hits, Hey, I make more money, money than them, but people think they're more successful than me. I need a new car. I need new clothes. I need people to think I'm this right. Then I had him to check me, dude, your ego is getting in the way of your goal. Your goal is financial freedom. Don't let ego kill this goal, right? So it was like, okay, fine. I'll listen to you. I'll listen to you. I'll buy a car in cash. It's worth $2,500. I'll get my expenses down. I'll manage my needs, right? Uh, and, and that really, really played a huge, huge. That gave me a large blessing or was the biggest blessing in my life because once I got to the point of investing, the disciplines were already created when I was young. Uh, and I wouldn't have had any of that with him. I'd be like everybody else. No, I mean, nobody taught me in school. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I would be spending everything I made scrambling to make more. So do you think that the key then is to find maybe a mentor that is financially literate to, to help kind of explain the ways of, of finance and money and how it all works? I think it, it goes back to the, the two, two options you have. Educate yourself or hire the education, right? Those are our two options. For me... I kind of got a blend of both, right? I hired the education because he helped me, you know, create my budget. He helped me put dollars into investments. He helped me create some type of, you know, tax efficient plan, but he was also educating me at the same time, but I was in a position to hire it. The thing about it is you have to have money to pay for it. So if you're not in that position yet, then you educate yourself, you apply action, you build yourself to that point. And now you have the choice to hire somebody or maintain the, the plan you're already on. Have, have you read uh, the book, The Richest, the Richest Man of Babylon? Of course. Yeah. Okay. Awesome I, I, assumed, I assumed you had, but, but essentially the same thing. Like I would almost say for anybody out there who, 
who doesn't have their finances in order yet that can hire maybe a financial advisor or something like that, go on Amazon for like $10 and buy The Richest Man of Babylon. You'll learn a lot of these, you know, values through that. And then maybe just go to to your social media channel and just follow and there or, or, you know, other people as well. But there are easy or maybe not easier. There are cheaper ways to, to continue to learn, but you have to put the work in. And you actually have to open the book. You actually have to, you know, find these mentors, whether they're on social media or what. And and you still have to put that, you know, your best foot forward to to continue your learning. That, that's that's totally right. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna say something real quick. You don't have to be Warren Buffett. You don't have to be a master investor. It's the discipline that is the hardest part. It's the I'm gonna take twenty percent out of my paycheck every single month. That's going to my savings and investing. That's the hard part. So yeah, starting with educating uh, 100% and then create the disciplines and then just stay on track. You know what I'm saying? That's all it takes. I think discipline outperforms uh, knowledge in this regard. I'm 80 to 20. I I, I think it's massive. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, back to like what what we were saying with with people that... I think on average, if you were to tell someone like, okay, you got this new job, you're now making a million dollars a year, what are you going to do with all this money? Most people are probably going to be like, sweet, I'm going to buy like a Benz or like whatever, maybe I'll buy this sweet house. Like, And, and depending on how you look at it, the house could be considered an asset, but it's more likely still considered a liability. If you rich, rich, or, uh, read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you'll kind of understand that a lot. But, um, but yeah, I think most people, when they get an influx of cash their first thought is, well, what could I spend this all on? It, it, the first thought isn't, how could I invest this so that the money can make money for me in the future? That's right. That's, okay. right. That's exactly right. So you were an athlete. You've got this financial advisor kind of helping you along the way. Were you, while you were still skateboarding, um, obviously you had these other, you know, entrepreneurial businesses. You had your, your beer company, your skate company, um, your coconut water company, was real estate always a part of this or did that come in later? Like afterwards when you were kind of in that lost era, how did you get more into the real estate and starting commune capital? Yeah. So uh, real quick, the, the coconut water, which is villager. Uh, I didn't start villager. My partner in St. Archer started villager and I was an investor in it. Just, just to clarify. Uh, But uh, real estate was always part of my plan when it came to uh, the assets I was investing in in my portfolio. The thing that changed was I didn't, I didn't realize that I was going to start business when I started investing as a pro skateboarder. It was just, how do I get my money to work? How do I invest in assets that will help my transition once my career ends? Uh, that was my whole goal. Uh, and then when I started St. Archer, uh, that is when I realized I was going to create business. I was going to be an entrepreneur. I loved it, right? Um, I thought I was going to stay in the product side though. After that was Sovereign. After that, I started a company with my friend called Avni. Uh, I, I thought I was going to stay in the realm of create brand, sell product. Um, Commune, it, it happened in this moment of trying to figure out what I was going to do, right? Like uh, talking about identity and purpose, right? <clears throat> I was sitting on the couch. I, I had surgery on my leg, so I couldn't even skate at this point either. So I'm sitting on the couch. I'm kind of depressed. I'm trying to figure out who I am. And I got a call from one of my friends who was another pro skateboarder. And he was like, dude, how are you? I haven't seen you in months. No one's heard from you. You went dark on your social media. Like, are you okay? And I was just like, no, I'm not. Hmm. Like, I'm lost, big dog. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I, I'm, I'm struggling here. And he was like, it, it, that just went over his head. He was like, oh, okay, cool. But like, no, are you okay? Like financially, like, you know, you, you have your wife, you have two kids, you have your home. How are you paying the bills? And I remember saying to him like, oh, dude, yeah, financially, like I'm actually in like, dude, in an incredible spot. I'm financially free. I don't need to worry about these things. Uh, and he was like, are you kidding me? Then why are you sitting on the couch moping? You know what I'm saying? It was one of those ones. Yeah. And so I hang up the phone and I'm like, wow, I really feel like shit now. And I was like, okay, why do I feel this way? I felt basically isolated. It was almost like survivor's guilt. That's how I felt. Like, why am I one of three pro skateboarders that doesn't have to figure out how to survive the next day? Hmm. And in that, I was like, you know what? Why am I in this position? And I went all the way back to my mentor, which is Randy. 
because I had somebody come into my life that not only educated me and taught me about money, but also showed me how to get money to work and then allowed me to invest in opportunity that he managed. They managed real estate funds. So my first real estate experience was through them. And so as I'm thinking about why I'm in this position, I was like, you know what? How can I put more and more of my friends in this position and not in the normal outcome, which is survival mode? What the heck do I do? How do I make money? Call sponsors that want to sponsor me. Can I get a job, et cetera, et cetera. And that was when I went, you know what? I need to start a company to solve this problem. And so I started creating the business plan and I knew I wanted to educate and have some type of opportunity. It took a few months for me to realize that I wanted the opportunity to be in real estate. And then I had to fine tune what the education meant. Uh, And then through that kind of process of creating the business plan, Commune was built. So what's interesting is I didn't think I would ever be in the private equity world. That that seemed like a world that I didn't know I could even be allowed to get into. Hmm. Uh, And then the interesting thing is I'm sitting in in a hybrid of both worlds now. I have a business because we have to have our business that manages the investment and that business has to make money and we have employees and we have to manage that whole side. Then we have investments. We have to get dollars of our investors out into investments. So it's a, a very kind of hybrid of the two, which I really enjoy because I was always fascinated with investing. I was always interested in how money worked. And now I get to experience both sides of it, having the business, creating the business, building the business, and then getting money into motion. That's amazing. I love it. How many of your investors that you guys have with, with Commune, how many of them are like pro skateboarders or from the skateboard world that have kind of seen what you've done and decided to invest with you versus like, I don't know, um, kind of the everyday Joe that maybe just follows you and wants to invest with you? Uh, not enough, unfortunately. Um, yet, I would say yet. I, I, out of our skaters, uh, pro skaters who are investors, I think we have 10. Okay. Um, pro athletes in total, we might be a little bit higher, but we're, we're, I mean, we're, we're over 400 investors and most wow. of them are, uh, you know, we have a lot of entrepreneurs. We have a lot of people in sales, uh, but yeah, most of them are on the conventional uh, kind of career path. Uh, not enough athletes, at least for the purpose that I'm trying to create. But there's a lot to that. Like with skateboarding, most skateboarders don't make that much money. And with our current offerings, you have to be an accredited investor, which basically doesn't allow, I think, the majority of skaters who would want to invest with us the ability to invest. So that part sucks. Uh, That's something we're working on. Uh, as far as creating a new offering where the minimum is much lower and that requirement goes away. Uh, and I'm hoping to have that up, gosh, mid to end of 2021. Awesome. And that, that was actually going to be my next question, but can you just explain to the listeners that maybe don't already know the difference between accredited investor and non-accredited? Yeah. So, uh, what the SEC does is puts requirements uh, on who can invest with you and who can't. And for whatever reason, this is what they said. <laughs> if you're an individual, you have to make $200,000 a year for two years with the expectation that you're going to continue to make that moving forward. Or if you're uh, married or have a partner, you need to make $300,000 a year joint, or you have to have a net worth of a million dollars or more not including your primary residence. Those are kind of the three major requirements. And then they just added to it this year where if you have any of your uh, series license, your series six or series seven, which means you're in the financial world uh, and have those those licenses, they'll allow you to be an accredited investor as well. Gotcha. So the thing that sucks, and it goes back to what we first talked about, uh, because you make $200,000 a year does not mean you know about money. What the SEC is trying to basically stop is you taking advantage of people who don't make a lot of money and putting dollars into an investments that aren't best for them. Hmm. Uh, That's what they're trying to avoid. They picked a dollar amount to say that's where the financial literacy uh, should be. Uh, And I think that's an example that just shows that uh, we're off here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, hopefully maybe in, in 2021, we can get you back on the podcast and we talk about uh, your, your non-accredited offering. Um, what do you think is the best advice that you would give to either an athlete that's in the midst of their career or even an athlete that's, that's just, you know, young and starting for how that they can kind of set up, um, 
the future being that we know that, you know, as an athlete, your career will eventually have an end. Um, and most athletes don't really think about that until it's kind of winding down towards the end. But what advice would you give to someone who's still kind of in the peak of their career of how they could set themselves up to be more financially, um, stable or have financial freedom afterwards? Okay. So whenever I tell athletes, your career is going to end and you have to plan for it, uh, that doesn't do it for them. I, th- I think it's so scary that uh, a lot of athletes just kind of out of sight, out of mind, because they don't want to be overwhelmed with that emotion of like, oh my gosh, it's going to end. Right. Uh, so what I started saying is you're in a moment to pr- not prepare, but plan and build the next thing to be even larger than the first, right? This is all you taking advantage of all the opportunity that's given to you right now. It has kind of been how I'm starting to communicate it. And right. basically what that means is when you're in your career, you start moving up in an upward trajectory very fast. And it's very hard to see where the peak is. So in that time of building your career, you want to be focusing on how to take all of this momentum and position yourself to capitalize it and then move on to the next thing. So I think one, it's creating the discipline when it comes to your finance, having cash set aside, not only for an emergency fund, but having opportunity uh, cash to take advantage of the opportunity that comes your way as a pro athlete, right? We as athletes have doors that are open for us that we only have because we're pro athletes. Take advantage of those, right? Uh, The other thing too is, it's lifestyle inflation is a big one for athletes, man. We make more money. We spend more money. We're competitive by nature. And so be really mindful of keeping your lifestyle set at one bar and not raising it as you make more money and look at all that spread or all of that margin, that's firepower towards your future. So all of that money is going to go into savings and investing. It's all about adding kind of a team behind you to succeed after your career. Um, and, and then like anything, man, the earlier you start, the better. With investing, that's like really, really a factor because of something called compound interest. Yeah. More time you give it, more powerful it becomes. So uh, really focusing on that. And I think the last thing too is for athletes, uh, we are all hit with the emotional challenge of life after our sport, all of us. Whether you want to recognize it or not, it's going to be hard for you. So having cash is actually really important for an athlete because you're going to need some type of cushion to help you transition. And then having money in investments that produce income is going to help you as well, because now you have money coming in that you're not working for, but it is a blend between the two because, you know, based on your career and how much you make like kayaking or skateboarding, we're not making basketball money. We're not making million dollars a year. So for us to be able to invest enough dollars into enough assets that actually make it so that we're financially free. We usually don't have enough time for that. But what we can do is build the foundation, have money start coming in, have cash sitting on the side to help us transition, and then maintain our plan as we move into our second career. Yeah, no, I I like how there's a lot of things that you said there. Um, And one, I totally agree that I agree with all of them, but that that cushion needs to be built because there's nothing worse than losing your sponsors, losing events, losing all the stuff that, that you do and losing that identity. So like what you said, when you had that identity, you know, loss and, and you're feeling just lost, who am I? What do I do with my life now? It would be compounded in a negative effect if you also had no income, no, no uh, financial cushion. And you're like, damn, not only did I lose all that stuff, but now I, I've got no income to feed my family. That's that's so right. I'm going to add to that because it's really powerful. When you go into survival mode, you don't have the luxury to work through some of this emotional stuff. You're focusing on how do I eat and how do I put shelter over my head, right? That's all you care about. And so if you don't have everything planned for it, you're going to look at this moment in your career ending as the worst thing that ever happened to you, right? Right. Yeah. But actually, it's, it's a huge blessing. Believe it or not, I know that sounds crazy, but what I experienced was my career ends. It was the worst thing I ever felt. Having to move through that time created this, this so many new values and, and just like 
improve so much more of my resilience and discipline. Then I found identity and purpose. And I will now look back at that moment as one of the biggest blessings that ever happened in my life because it created all of this. And if I, if I wasn't planning for it and it would have just hit me in the face and I would have had to go into survival mode, I wouldn't have been able to experience this. I would have spent the rest of my life talking about that moment that I was a pro skateboarder and the career ending being, you know, my industry screwed me. This is the worst thing that ever happened to me and just right. hung on to the bitterness of it, you know, yep. and you don't want that. That's, that's not going to create a, a happy, healthy, successful person. Right. And I, I mean, it's not going to, it's not going to set you up either in a way that when you have that negative, I don't know, cloud over your head, it's hard to move on to the next step without dragging that negativity with you. Um, and if you keep dragging that negativity around it, I mean, it's only less likely that you're going to get back on that success path. That's right. So Mikey, what's your next, you talked about destiny earlier on. What's your next like three to five years from here? Where do you see your future going or where is that destiny, that vision that you have for yourself? Okay. Uh, I would say there's two parts of it. One, uh, we have the next five years of our business, uh, and our goal from a, I would say a monetary standpoint or, or being able to, uh, use being able to gauge the success of the actual business. Uh, we have a goal to manage a billion dollars in the next five years. That's kind of our, our target goal. Um, and then I would say from a purpose standpoint, uh, the more and more people that, that we're able to assist in becoming financially literate and then financially free, uh, the better. So I would say that's kind of on the business front. For me personally, uh, in this moment of COVID, uh, you know, it, it really brought the priority into both my wife and my, uh, I would say on our forefront of, of what's important is, is teaching our kids to be leaders, taking more and more responsibility to uh, actually build them up instead of allowing the school to do it, allowing other people to create <laughs> successful kids to become successful adults. Uh, that's, that's, I think, our next priority for the next five years is building leaders. I love that. I've, I, I've never had it simplified or, or explained that way as I've, I've got two kids myself and I think you've got three, if I'm correct. Yeah. But the idea that instead of like parenting them or trying to encourage them, it's like, no, I want to build a leader. I love how you, how you eloquently put that. Um, and that's totally what I think every parent wants out of their children is to build leaders, to build, to, to teach their kids how to, live their own life and their own version of it. That's amazing. Um, Mikey, you've got just an amazing future set ahead of you. You've got an amazing past behind you. I love everything that you're doing. I love also that not only have you created financial uh, freedom and security for yourself and that you're continuing to build it for others, but that you're, are, um, you are giving back by sharing that knowledge because shared knowledge uh, can be just so powerful. So I think it's just amazing with everything you're doing on your social media and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to move us quickly on to the next part of our show that we call the fire round. But before we jump into our fire round, I just want to take a brief moment to talk about our newest sponsor, eBay. Whether rare dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozen of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity. And it also protects the seller with a verified return process. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers $100 plus, making it free to sell or flip your collection. So go to ebay.com sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. And I'm just going to fire a couple of these questions at you, Mikey. Uh, do you have a favorite quote that you live by? Oh, I don't have a favorite quote that I live by. Uh, but my favorite quote at the moment is, <laughs> it's 
looks so silly. If you're a real estate investor and you're paying taxes, you're doing real estate wrong. That's like, that's like, that's the highlight for us right now. It's, it has nothing to do with life, but that's the one that's hot in my mind. That's interesting. I love it. Um, what would be one lesson that you may have learned recently, whether it's through uh, recent success or mistake? Oh, I would say the biggest lesson I've learned recently is you will always have problems and you will always have to find solutions to problems, no matter how much money you make. That is a, a, a theme that we all face as people. So uh, more success does not mean less problems. It's actually like, the opposite. <laughs> I like that. And I, I think that's regularly uh, misinterpreted where people just think like, if I just had more money, I, I wouldn't have any worries. You know what I mean? And it's like, well, I don't think that's actually the case. That's right. Yeah. You, you might have different worries, but it, it's not going to eliminate them altogether. That's right. That's right. Do you have um, a favorite book or current book that you're reading or even just like anything that maybe you've listened to that's kind of inspired you along the way? Uh, I mean, yes, at, on all of them. Uh, my favorite book in the last few years would probably be Principles by Ray Dalio. Uh, really enjoyed that book from a, at least the financial or entrepreneurial realm. I think Rich Dad Poor Dad was probably a big one for me just because that was like the gateway drug in a sense of, yeah. oh, I, I, I'm looking at all of this wrong. Yeah. So I really enjoyed that book. Um, I would say, I would say for me, the biggest book that's at least from the biggest book that plays the biggest influence in my life is probably the Bible. Uh, I chose to read that in 2017, start to finish. And, and that, that probably played a bigger bigger role than anything I've read. Even, awesome. even monetarily, uh, uh, money management is, is all over that thing. So it, it is interesting well. how much money is spoken about in the Bible for sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's no question. Um, if you could go back in time to any time within your life and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? Uh, for me personally, it would be, don't worry about what other people think of you. Only focus on doing the right thing, regardless if people are going to like it or not. I love that. I 100% agree with that. And I think that's something that I've definitely struggled with more in the past, for sure. And, and a lesson that I have, uh, I guess, learned myself and regularly try to remind myself because I think it's something, especially with social media nowadays, that we all kind of just easily fall into this trap of worrying about what other people think. Um, yeah, that's right. Especially yeah. for athletes too. Yeah. Like we get used to being praised, right? That was the thing for me. Love, like, dude, I felt good about myself when people praised me. Right. And then it was like, I started noticing that I was so concerned with people liking who I was, that I was no longer being myself. I was just trying to be the person that I thought they liked. And uh, you, you can't be happy that way. There's no substance in your life. if That's the case. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, if you were to leave this earth today, and everything that you've done, so all the, the videos that you've shot, the titles that you've won, all the investments that you've bought, everything was gone. And all you were left was a piece of paper and a pen, and you could leave three truths. What would those three truths be? Oh, man. Can't bring anything with us. I would say, I would, I would go down to, I would start at, at the identity, purpose, and destiny. Don't live your life unless you can answer, who am I, why am I here, and where do I go after this? Those are the first three things you have to answer in your life. That's, that is incredible, and, and probably one of the, the more simply put ways that someone has answered that question. So thank you very much for that, Mikey. This, this, is, this has just been, honestly, one of my most favorite interviews so far. I have learned a ton. Um, I hope that all of my listeners have as well. For anybody out here listening that wants to connect with you, what's the best way for someone to, to reach out to you? Uh, any social media, my handle is just at Mikey Taylor. 
Uh, you can go to my Instagram, TikTok, whatever, and find a way to connect with me. I have my number on there. You can email me, et cetera. If you're interested in our company, all the handles are at Commune Capital and our website is communecapital.com. Uh, hit me up. I'll find a way to reach out to you for sure. Awesome. Thanks so much. And, and being generous to, to connect with everybody. Final thing is um, I always try to add value in these interviews as much as that I can. So is there something that you're focusing on right now that maybe I could help you with, or possibly my listeners could help you with? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, well, I would say from your listener standpoint, the, the, I would say the biggest value that can be added to me uh, is I would say letting me know where you're at on your financial journey, things you're succeeding at, things that you're challenged by. Uh, the more and more people that I know what level they're at or, or what their challenges are, the easier it is for me to create content to add value to them. So feedback is huge. Um, oh man, uh, for you, uh, I think it'd be feedback as well. Awesome. I will. I think I will, feedback is a big one. I will definitely, um, once we're offline, we can talk all about that, but I've definitely been a huge consumer of your content and I love what you're getting out there, preaching to the world, um, just explaining and the knowledge that's been given. So uh, thank you for that. And I will definitely connect with you uh, more when, when we're offline as well. Final question uh, of the day for you, Mikey, what is your definition of awesome? My definition of awesome would be living the life that you were meant to live at the highest form possible. I love that. That is amazing. Thank you so very much for speaking with us today. This has been, again, truly incredible. As I, as I said earlier, I have t learned a ton um, from this. I've got a ton of value from it. I hope all of my listeners did. If you guys out there listening did get value, please, if you could share this out with someone, share it with one person so that they could help get maybe a little bit more um, financially literate, maybe help them get set up uh, better in the future financially, or just if this is just an amazing conversation that you want to share, please share that out with either a friend, family member, or throw it up on your social media as I would greatly appreciate it and it'll just help us build our community and collective as a whole. Thank you all for listening and please for everybody out there, go check out Mikey on his social platforms at Mikey Taylor. There's tons of knowledge um, beyond just what we spoke about today and some incredible skateboarding too. So check him out there. I'm Nick Troutman signing off, wishing you all an awesome day. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.